Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What's good, everybody, and welcome to the Believe in Heat podcast sponsored by Bet Online, who continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Make sure you can find all the latest odds, news, and sports development, including this year's basketball championship finals, the NHL Hockey Conference Finals, Major League Baseball, the latest fighting news, and even next season's early NFL futures. Head to the website and use your mobile device to sign up today. Receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to get the bonus and get into the action. Bet online where the game starts. Now, let's talk a little bit about these Miami Heat. Let's do it. So it's been a little bit of time since I last had a chance to do the Believe in Heat podcast. And let me apologize for my own tardiness. Just had a lot of life circumstances going on. People graduating, taking some vacation and getting away from the game. But definitely keeping taps on what's going on with the Miami Heat. Have a great, great show lined up for you this week. So we're not even going to waste any time, man. I'm not going to do no fluff. None of that other stuff. I'm going to get right to the Heat Culture segment with my great guest, who you'll find out who that is in just a minute. Miami Heat Culture. It's a system based on discipline, hard work. Hashtag Heat Culture. The Miami Heat Culture. Heat Culture. Miami Heat Culture. Miami has developed this culture that is known throughout the NBA. Heat Culture. And on this week's edition of the Heat Culture segment for the Believe in Heat podcast, I have a good friend of mine who I've met through the Twitterverse, if you will, some years ago. And she rocked with me on my previous show, the Baseline NBA podcast. We have Alana Tahauer rocking with us here to talk a little bit about the Miami Heat. Alana, what's good, family? I am sweating bullets right now, and I'm so sorry if you can hear my AC. Um, it's like 98 degrees in Chicago, and I know that people in Miami are used to this, but I am not. So I'm melting a little bit, but excited to talk some heat ball. Oh, man. Well, you always do a great job in that. I mean, I've and I followed your career and all the different things you were doing. I want to get into that maybe a little bit towards the end and even in terms of, you know, why we have you on this broadcast here today um, with your Heat fandom. I know I've seen you called, you know, the first lady of the Heat Twitter and all types <laughs> of different things as well, too. So that's really interesting. But the first thing that we usually do here on this show is kind of discuss with our guests. What does Heat culture mean to them? So just in synopsis, you know, what does Heat culture mean to you? And when did you actually become a Miami Heat fan? Yeah, so I became a Miami Heat fan, honestly, in like 06, but I didn't fully hop on the bandwagon probably until like, mm, I want to say 2010 or 2011. Um, I'm in Chicago, so obviously I grew up a Bulls fan, um, and I was actually covering the Bulls for, well, it was Comcast Sports at the time, but NBC Sports. Um, so I was pretty ride or die, but the more I kind of got into the organization, I could not support that front office anymore. Oh. Um, so I completely kind of jumped over to the heat, but it was all because of Wade. Um, I followed exactly two college players, uh, Wade and Mello. And when Wade ended up in the heat, that was kind of it for me. Um, but in terms of heat culture, it's just grittiness. I mean, I have never kind of experienced on any level, high school, college or professionally, an organization that is just grittier. Like there's just no other word to describe it. Um, and I think this season in particular, the characters on the roster are just so full of that, you know, dog eat dog mentality. Um, mm -hmm. 
from Riley wanting everyone to be in, you know, world-class shape to the guys all really having each other's backs, both on and off the court. Um, I just feel like there's really, there's no other organization quite like the Miami Heat. I think that's a great answer, Alana. You know, and when I bring the guest on, a lot of them say a lot of the same, those same things. It is the the grittiness of it. It is the um, wanting to be in shape and understanding that you have to be there for each other and the next man up approach. You know, all the things that a great organization should have and not many teams in the league are great organizations. And, you know, little shots fired at that Chicago organization. To, to be make- fair, <laughs> to be fair, they have definitely turned things around yep, since getting have. rid of, you know, Gar Packs. Um, and it it really, it sucks because it's never, it's never the players and it's certainly not the fan base. Um, it's just once you, I think, once you start covering a team and kind of see what's really going on behind the scenes, it's hard to stay a fan just because, you know, the organization is not, they just, they didn't care. They didn't care about their team. They didn't care about the fans, um, but they have done a great job. I think this year was super exciting for the bulls. And I think that they're only going to grow more, um, especially, you know, I'm pretty sure Levine is going to stay. Damar is going to stick around. I don't know what's going to happen with Lonzo and his injury, um, but they are my second team still. All right. All right. Well, they didn't fall too far from the ranks, but Miami is definitely, you know, slid up here and kind of here to stay. So let's talk a little bit about the NBA season for the Heat. So I haven't actually had an opportunity to do this show. I was telling listeners early on and, you know, quite some time traveling, family, all kind of stuff going on, whatever. So really, since the conference finals, the last time I got to do a show. So, you know, I'm sure the fans, listeners kind of missed, missed the takes. And I'm so glad that you're able to join us. So your overall thoughts on how the season ended, obviously game seven um, within the last, what was it 13 seconds of the game, really with an opportunity to, to, to win, win that basketball, win the series and have a chance to play for the NBA championship. What was your thoughts watching from, you know, Chicago? Yeah, it was tough. Um, I think that I have always had a very different perspective on the team uh, than a lot of heat Twitter. And Um, you know, I know going into this, especially into the playoffs, a lot of people were saying, you know, if it's a first round exit, it's a failure. Even if we make it, you know, we don't make it out of the second round. Um, and I never look at it that way. It was disappointing, obviously, that we, we fell off when we did. Um, and I'm not here to make excuses, but at the end of the day, the season we had, it was grueling. Um, a lot of the guys were in and out of the lineup and we were not the only ones by any means. Um, but we were missing, you know, key players. It wasn't one rotation guy here and there. Um, Jimmy gave it his absolute all and he is incredible, especially playoff Jimmy. I mean, there's really no comparison there. Um, Bam went through it. I know there's a lot of criticism against Kyle. I love him. I hope he sticks around. Um, he, you know, could be in better shape for sure, but there were a lot of things behind the scenes going on and he missed a lot of time for personal reasons that did not have to do with his conditioning. Um, so it hurt for sure, but I'm still really proud of this team. Um, you know, I think the fact that we got that one seed said something, I think that these guys are hungry. I don't know, you know, exactly how much of the roster will stay together moving forward, but I do think the core is the core and they're here to stay. And I think that, you know, fans should be happy and they should be excited for what's to come next season. I think those are all excellent points, Lana. And, you know, thank you for, for sharing that, you know, obviously some of what you touched on Pat Riley also touched on, especially when it came to Kyle Lowry and we'll, we'll get to that in just, just a minute, but finishing up here kind of on, on the season at large, you know, playoff Jimmy is a real thing. 
right? Jimmy, Jimmy is, he's a baller. He's one of the, you know, the best players in the NBA that can no longer be disputed in any capacity. Um, were you surprised in any way in the way that maybe some fans and some, some folks on heat Twitter specifically kind of, and maybe I'm going to use this terminology wrong, but maybe I feel like they turned on Bam a little bit. Um, the expectations for what he needs to be. And uh, I go through this conversation a lot with, you know, other folks and I don't know, do you, I'm, you're, you're a smart individual. So I'm sure you don't necessarily equate most paid player to have to always have to be the best player or, and so, so forth down the line. So Bam's the second highest paid player on the team. Does he need to be the second best player or really what fans were hoping for the second best offensive threat? especially since Tyler was out. What were your thoughts on Bam's playoff run specifically and kind of a reaction from Heat Twitter? What frustrates me about Bam is that we've seen that he can do it. If I hadn't seen glimpses of it, if I didn't see the potential, I think I'd be more willing to just kind of say, hey, he is still young. It's been a really weird last few seasons. Um, you know, I think he had COVID twice. He then dealt with his hand injury but there was one, and I can't remember, my memory is trash, but there was one specific game where he came back after probably the most criticism he's ever faced, and he killed it on both ends of the floor. He was definitely the second best, if not you know, the first best player in that particular game. So if you can come back, if you can bounce back from all the noise and all the criticism and have a game like that to prove yourself, why are you not doing that you know, night in and night out? I don't think that he necessarily has to be the number one option. I don't even think he has to be the number two option. But for me, it's the inconsistency of the noise gets loud. People say what they say. Then he comes in. He feels like he has to prove, prove himself. And then what? The very next game, the game after that, he just kind of shrinks back down to his, you know, an average player and not really doing all that he could be doing. Um do I think Heat Twitter is being a little bit too rough on him in terms of, you know, to your point, his contract and kind of where he's at um, with his age and development? Yes, but I do understand. And I rarely actually agree with Heat Twitter, but I do understand the frustration there. Just because, like I said, we have seen him do it. It just needs to be consistent now. Yeah, I can see that for sure in terms of his offensive capability. You know, I think what he provides are, are the intangibles that don't go on the stat sheet, if you will. It's obviously, with those screenings and, you know, those dribble handoffs, especially to when shooters are are knocking down shots in the way that Miami Heat players can typically do, but didn't necessarily do consistently, you know, in, in that playoff run and definitely within that, in that series against the Boston Celtics. A couple of the quick thoughts. You know, and obviously this will bleed into some off-season off conversation here a little bit as well, too. But um, the playoff run specifically of Tyler Hero and 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 Duncan Robinson. So Hero obviously had injuries, um, and Duncan Robinson was out of the rotation before the playoffs began. And I think it was a misnomer to see him ball out, really, in game one against Atlanta Hawks, the first game of the playoffs, and then really didn't see much for him from him after that. Just kind of what are your thoughts on the dynamic of those two guys specifically and how they integrate into Spolstra's offense and for, for Duncan's part now, really just kind of like on call whenever kind of break glass in case of emergency? I have been saying this for the majority, if not all of this season, Duncan just doesn't, in my opinion, fit into this roster. Um, and it's nothing against him as a person. It's certainly not knocking his skill set because it's definitely there. Um, and to be honest, for me, it's not really even about the shooting slumps. You know, shooters are going to go through that. It comes back. Um, I'm not worried about, you know, his offensive game that way. But to me, you know, we were talking about grit 
there's just no grit there, um, at least not yet. And I have said this again, you know, time and time again this season. It's just he seems like the odd man out, whether it's on the court, um, you know, just in the locker room. So I'm kind of out on Duncan at this point. Um, again, I think he's he could have a great career, and I think he's already he's already accomplished so much. I just don't see him fitting in. Um, and I don't know, to me, it says something you paid him what 90 mil and you're not even playing him really in the playoffs. It's not a good look. Um, and to me, it indicates that they don't necessarily trust him or want to rely on him either. Tyler is a different situation. Uh, he was dealing with injury. I also think we didn't really understand the extent of that injury. Um, and I'm not necessarily surprised just because the heat are pretty tight lipped about stuff like that. But I think if Tyler can stay healthy, Tyler is certainly an asset. I think he fits in with this team really well. Um, I just, the injuries are kind of becoming a problem. I know he's young, um, but it is to the point now where, you know, this is what his third, maybe major one in a quite short amount of time. Um, again, he was inconsistent as well, but I'm not necessarily as worried about that just because, you know, players go through things, the amount of rotations um, and just different lineups that we dealt with this year uh, affects players. And I think it affects their role. I am just curious to see if he sticks around, you know, if he's going to demand that starting spot or not. Well, that leads us into the next part of our conversation as well, too. I think, I believe it was after the fact, or no, it was definitely before when Riley did his end of the year press conference mm -hmm. and, you know, it was reported in essence that Tyler said he does want to start. And Riley's answer to that was like, we'll come to camp and work hard and, and basically F and earn it. You know, you can say all the things you want, but come out here and prove it. And, and again, in true heat culture fashion, that's how things get done here. You don't just talk about it. You have to show it to, to some of that. Um, Riles also talked about Lowry and um some of the the i guess the the conditioning issues that that he might have had and you touched on that as well too he did have some off the court things that he he needed to manage just reckoning back now i know this was a few weeks ago um you know kind of do you remember and kind of what were some of your thoughts after Riley's comments about the team and the roster it's funny because i think that a lot of people took what riley said about kyle in the most negative of ways um but to me and you know, I think this should be pretty obvious to Heat fans over the years. Riley's not going to comment on someone he doesn't care about. He's just, he's not going to care. He's going to move on from them and it's going to be a wrap. I think publicly talking about that with Kyle, to me, showed that he is acknowledging that there is a little bit of conditioning that needs to be done, but that he trusts that he can do that and that he's going to rely on him to do so moving forward. Um, I don't think, you know, again, it's maybe it's just me, but I didn't see it as throwing shade. Um, I didn't see it as kind of airing out anything dirty. It was just kind of acknowledging what the reality of the situation was. Um, and again, you know, he was dealing with a lot behind the scenes. And I think that probably played a role in him not being, you know, in shape enough or to the extent that he could have been. And the same thing goes for Tyler. That is such a Riley answer to me. Um, and again, I don't think he would have addressed it if, you know, at least it didn't cross his mind. Do I think that means that he's necessarily going to give Tyler that starting spot? No. Um, even if Tyler earns it at this point, I think it kind of depends who else is, is left. Um, but he's kind of solidified himself as that six man. But again, I just, to me, Riley doesn't really speak on things that don't matter to him. So I kind of saw it as a good thing that he was addressing both. 
Yeah, I would I would agree with that as well too. He's not one to mince words or waste his words in any capacity. Mm -hmm. So I think that's an excellent you know, excellent snippet there too. You know, if he's talking about you, it's because he cares. <laughs> Otherwise, it's just kind of be kind of dismissed, if you will. Um, let's take a quick break. You know, I think that's a great time. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit about the big news with PJ Tucker and free agency um, and the draft, et cetera, et cetera. With my my friend Alana here, we'll be right back. And we're back here on the Believe in Heat podcast. Um, great conversation with Alana discussing everything that's going on with Miami Heat this season. So we got to talk about the news that broke right before as as we were conversating about how we were going to even do this show. And, you know, piggybacking off on our previous conversation with, with about Riley, he talked about P.J. Tucker and wanting him to be around. He embodies Heat culture. Spo said all the things about Tucker, you know, playing through the nagging injuries. Spo got kicked out of the locker room when talking about Tucker's injuries. I don't want to hear that. And, like, just get out of here. And he was just going to fight through it. And then all of a sudden this week we get the news that Tucker's going to opt out of the $7.3 million. And look uh, to secure either a long-term deal with Miami or elsewhere. I don't think anything is for certain now when it comes to this situation. Did this surprise you at all, Alana, when you, when you heard this news this week? No, um, I think that he has definitely earned a bigger contract and a longer contract. Um, I also think that, you know, he felt very burned by Milwaukee. Um, so I just don't think that he wants to be in the same situation again. I mean, coming from the Bucks, who, you know, I think they have one of the best organizations in terms of kind of the way they conduct business. So I was a little bit surprised, you know, how things went down there. But he helped win them a championship and then they kind of discarded him. Um, I think he'll be back in Miami. I would be shocked if he wasn't um, both from the standpoint of him wanting to return, but also, you know, to your point, what Riley said about him was completely like he, he could not have been singing his praises anymore. Um, so I would be shocked if they didn't offer him both a substantial amount of money and also a longer contract. Yeah. It's tough though, because I mean, he is 37 years old. You know, it's it, it, you forget how much he's bounced around the league and playing overseas all this time before he was really able to, you know, make his hay as one of the toughest and staunchest defenders in, in the NBA currently. You know, at what what number and how many years do you know do you offer PJ Tucker at 37 years old? I think you know Riley and company they've done a really amazing job. Obviously, old head UD still on this roster mm -hmm. and kind of doing what he needs to be doing, but again, not not contributing in, in the level that PJ Tucker is. Um, is there a number or amount of years where you'd be comfortable um, with a Tucker extension? Honestly, I am not a salary cap girl, um, okay, so I don't really know. But I will say, I think we got taught a lesson after letting Jay Crowder walk. Mm. Um, I'm not saying that necessarily anything would have changed that next year if we had Jay. But I think even the organization would admit that that was probably not the best move. Now, obviously, the fact that we have PJ, I would take PJ over Jay any day. Um, and I still love Jay Crowder, so that's not a knock against him. But I hope, at least, that we remember that situation and we don't let history repeat itself. Um, you know, I don't know what the number would be. I don't know what the years would be. I do think, though, that while his age is a factor and the fact that he's been consistently playing has to, you know, play into that too. The point you just made was kind of everything. He plays through anything. He doesn't complain about it and it barely affects his play in the way that it might another player. Um, so I'm not as worried about his age and kind of the longevity of his career as I would be with another guy. I can see that. Yeah, too. And I'll throw something out there. I think, you know, if we are trying to preserve cap flexibility and things of that nature, and I'm not a capologist either, so I won't even pretend to be, you know, but if he made seven, three this year, 
I think you probably have to get him somewhere between 10 and 12, um, you know, for the Vise Friday he's providing. Mm-hmm. And maybe looking at a two or three year deal with probably a team option on that on that final year, you know, which which was very similar to kind of like what they did with, with, with Gorn when he was still here. They did a two year deal with a team option on that second year. Um, so that way you can still reward PJ kind of on the front and understand like, Hey, bro, you're 40, <laughs> you mm. know, it might, we might not be able to do the same things, you know, or you may not even be able to do the same things, but if anybody would, in terms of how hard he's going to give it, it would be PJ Tucker. Um, let's turn our attention a little bit now to uh, the rest of the roster in some capacity, the draft and what could potentially be, you know, a free agency. Now it's an, not a staunch or amazing free agency, free agent class right now. Um, but, they do have some guys who we don't know if are going to return on this roster. Mm-hmm. So let, let's actually like even back it up a little bit. Uh, Markeith Morris, Dwayne Didman, even Ola Depot, all those guys are free agents. Now Tucker enters the free agency ranks and the UD. I mean, he'll probably come back in some capacity one way or the other. Kayla Martin is also a free agent. Uh, that's a lot of guys, honestly, you know, yes, you have your core, but even part of that core, if you will, and maybe I shouldn't even use that terminology, you know, includes Duncan Robinson at $16.9 million, who's out of the rotation. So do you get rid of one of those guys and then thrust Duncan back into the rotation in some capacity or like not resign one of those guys? Or, you know, what is your thought process on team need first and foremost? Like what is the biggest team need? And that helps us kind of address the draft situation, which is coming up first. To me, it's, two things i would love to get duncan just out um and it's not again against him or even his play style i just don't think he fits and he especially to me does not fit at that salary um having that on the books is really painful and i would be shocked if they don't at least try to include him in some sort of deal uh the other thing that and i know a lot of people are saying that you know wings 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 we need a backup big to me um bam has been great in terms of the amount of minutes he can play he shouldn't need to do that though and i think you know i i love deadman i think he came off the you know he came into the roster or onto the roster and immediately filled a void he also had chemistry with those guys right off the bat um and to me he is a heat culture guy the question now becomes A, can we do better? But B, is he going to demand more as well? Because although he's obviously not a P.J. Tucker caliber, I do think there's something to be said for the role he did play. Um, And to me, Yurt is just not ready to be, you know, Yurt is the backup to the backup. So I would love a big. It doesn't need to be someone on BAM's level, but if it could be maybe a little bit above Deadman or at least at Deadman for, you know, a, a better price than perhaps what Deadman might ask for now. That's where I would focus on. Um, the Keefe situation to me is honestly just really sad because he could have had a great comeback year. And then what happened with Jokic really derailed him. I mean, he was out for what over 40 games. Um, so I would, I would be shocked if he comes back, but crazier things have happened. Yeah. You know, and I, I think about that a lot as well too. And, um, apparently he was quote unquote fit to play, mm-hmm. you know, in terms of his capability, but had just been out and missed too many games and the continuity. I don't think Spolster trusted that to be able to go in there, you know, um, in that situation. What are your thoughts on Oladipo? Um, you know, he, he kind of forced his way down here, um, ended up having to sign a minimum deal because he was injured yet again. And that minimum deal has expired. Has he shown enough in essence to warrant any type of substantial raise in your opinion? And do you want to keep him on this roster, especially if, you know, you're 
not you, but if, if Duncan doesn't really fit specifically, right? And we've had Struess continue to uh, ascend in his way and continue to work on his defense and be the three-point shooting threat that he has been, you know, does Oladipo fit on this roster? And, and where do you see that potentially looking like? I think so. Um, I think it kind of just depends on how much we would have to give him. Uh, and mm-hmm. what I'm hoping does not happen is a situation where, you know, he has had to come back from a very gruesome injury. And then obviously what he played maybe four games for us before going down again. Um, And the fact that he had some, some play in the playoffs and looked very good. I hope he doesn't kind of expect too much too quickly. Um, I think that him betting on himself obviously is something that, that he deserves, but in a realistic way, Uh, I do think that his defense is something that we could really use. And I think offensively, if he spends enough time with the team, um, it can get better. So I would like to bring him back. I think that the fact that he wanted to come here so badly speaks volumes and he obviously wants to stick around. Um, I just, I hope that he's being realistic in what he asks for. NBA player being realistic, not <laughs> better than others, though. Uh, yeah, I, I'll give you that. I think I think when I look at Vic, you know, it really, um, it really stands out because he has some really shiny moments. Mm-hmm. Hey, obviously, you know, in the latter part of that Atlanta series, some stuff against Philly, as well. Um, and he actually had some nice moments in the, in the conference finals. Definitely, he gave Jalen Brown fits. He was in his he was in his back pocket and stealing the ball, you know, kind of tremendously. And like I said, to think him getting back to that level of defense that he was kind of known for even back in Indiana coming mm-hmm. into the, coming into the league. Um, and then he his offense really kind of progressed. Um, it likes to see that he, he bought in on that side of the basketball, but I don't know. I don't think you can bring him back for a, a minimum deal again. He is 30. So he feel like he has lost a significant amount of money over the last c- couple years. And, you know, just now, will he be realistic to be able to fit into what Miami would potentially offer you know i don't even know what the front office is thinking you know when it comes to that riley and ellisburg and kind of like what they want to do um but i don't know what his market will be out there as well too so that'll be something we definitely need to watch um or i mean i don't know how much you follow the free agency tracker so to speak but you know you talked about potentially getting another big everybody always wants wings you know three and d type guys with mm-hmm. the case is there a specific name out there in free agency that you know that you have seen or that would intrigue you or some of the trade rumors that you're hearing that guys that might be available you know even uh well this isn't a fit but john collins like in atlanta is available rudy gobert is available in, in utah there's again this it's, it's wild i expect the draft to be you know pretty pretty crazy in terms of at least the rumors we'll see how what actually gets done um, but are there players out there are you like you know what i'd like that you're looking your chops a little bit about who could potentially be in miami I'll tell you one guy that I hope we stay far away from is Kyrie. Um, The Mm. fact that some Heat fans are with would welcome him with open arms, honestly, just is mind blowing to me. Um, I, regardless of how you feel about, you know, his views on the earth being flat or the vaccine or whatnot, to me, he does not put basketball first and maybe he doesn't need to, but for the heat that that's kind of the motto it's all ball all the time. And um, you know, does Kyrie still have flashes of his, 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 excuse me, his old self where I am kind of mesmerized by him having a ball in his hand. Absolutely. But you're getting that what half the time Um, I think, and I tweeted this out, he's, he's missed like 40% or something of the last 
five years due to different reasons. Um, so to me, I, I can't believe we're even talking about him. Same goes <laughs> for Beal. I know Beal says he's made up his mind. I don't know if it's like an attention-seeking thing at this point with him. Um, I would be shocked if he left. So I would like to move on from that too. I know Jeremy Grant, I believe, is a name that keeps popping up. Um, people are also still circling back on the whole Harrison Barnes bandwagon. No. Um, I am not really married to any player, to be honest. I think that as long as whoever we get complements the rest of the team well, and I keep going back to the Duncan example, but in terms of just a good fit, that's really all I care about. Um, because to me, I think that if I trust the heat enough where if they're taking a guy, they'll make it work at least most of the time. Yeah. There's a guy who, and, and kind of even going back to your earlier statement around Deadman, I'm talking about two guys. Bull Bull apparently is, you know, tired of being jerked around, you know, mm -hmm. I don't know if the heat, especially with how great they have been, it comes to player development. Um, would they take a chance, a flyer on him? It probably wouldn't cost them, you know, much mm -hmm. you know, to bring him into the fold, so to speak. But another guy who technically is in Orlando as well, too, I think Bobo's last destination was the Magic, if I can follow the, <laughs> the breadcrumbs from where he went, um, is Mo Bamba. Mm -hmm. And I think when you talk about that that acceptable upgrade from Denman, obviously younger, rangier, she can shoot the three ball, can block shots as well, too. How do you feel about Obamba coming into this situation in Miami and then even sharing some minutes with Bam at the four and five potentially in certain lineups? Yeah, no, um, I think that could be a really good fit. I think that if you'd have asked me kind of when he was at his peak of, I feel like there are certain guys that get hyped up a lot and then don't necessarily live up to the hype right away. Um, and part of that is because of the age, but part of that is just, I have always been a firm believer of environment matters and maybe, you know, wherever you land initially just isn't the place that you're going to flourish in. Um, so I could actually see him being a great fit in Miami uh, if he obviously puts in the work needed and is kind of ready to be that um, backup to Bam. And maybe I, I feel like Spo just hates playing bigs together and he took a little bit more of a chance with that this year. I feel like part of it was just because at a certain point we were kind of flailing and a body was a body. Um, so I'm not sure if I see Spo ever doing that consistently. Um, but yeah, I mean, from what I've seen and from the available bigs that you've named, uh, I do think that could be an interesting fit. Well, thank you, Alana, so much for lending us your, your, your talent, your, your insight on this Miami Heat team. And before we let you get out of here, just tell the people where they can find you, what you're working on, and kind of like what's next. Yeah, so you can find me mainly on social media for now. Um, it's just at Alana Tahauer on Twitter and Instagram. Um, we have not, or I should say, I have not been on any content in quite some time, uh, trying to take care of kind of the real life over here with work uh, and whatnot, but definitely some exciting things happening um, at Five Reasons. We actually are starting something new um, with fan-sided, so that's a very exciting kind of crossover there. Um, but yeah, just be on the lookout for more content as I kind of try to figure out what to do once, uh, once the height of free agency starts. And I'm excited to see kind of what happens on draft night. Thank you so much, Alana, for, for dropping your nausea with us. That is all the time we have for today for the Believe in Heat podcast on the Heat Culture segment. She is Alana Tower. Make sure you're following her on all social, as she alluded to, and catch her, you know, wherever she may be, especially over there at Five Reasons Sports. Alana, thank you so much. Thank you.
What a great show and special thanks again to my guest, Alana Tahauer, for her amazing insight on the Miami Heat, their culture, the season, the playoffs, the the NBA draft, and the summer, the free agency to come as well, too. So really, really great conversation with her. Um, and that's going to do it here for me this week. Make sure you're following us on Twitter at Shaw Sports NBA. Follow all the shows on the Believe Network. And this has been another great Believe in Heat podcast sponsored by Bet Online. We'll definitely catch up with you next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.